We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. Justin here with you tonight. Thanks for following along with us on our Twitter, at the underscore uncontested. And of course, thank you for joining us here on the Postgame Podcast, where we break down the Thunder's 108-96 to win over the Brooklyn Nets. It was an important win for the Thunder. When you look at their schedule, we've talked over and over about how difficult their schedule is to end the season. And Brooklyn's not a bad team by any means. They were sixth place in the East. But it's still, when you look at the other games the Thunder are facing on the schedule, this is one of those games that you have to win if you're OKC. You have to take care of business against teams that are beatable because it helps make up for games that you can't necessarily control. Games against some of the best teams in the NBA that are maybe more of a toss-up. You've got to win the ones against teams like the Nets. And thankfully, the Thunder took care of business tonight in the peak, uh, winning this one by 12 points. It wasn't even that close down the stretch. But for a good chunk of this game, uh, it was a lot closer. Things were a little shaky to start. Uh, It it felt like the Thunder couldn't buy a bucket out of the gate. Uh, I believe the Nets were up 9-0 to start this game. People in the peak were standing for a long time, getting a little restless. Uh, There was just some like comically bad misses, like the first possession, Steven Adams alone missed three layups, I think it was. And it just kind of felt like throughout the whole first half, the Thunder were kind of playing on like the, you know, the rigged like carnival rims that like the double rims and they're not quite round and you're not even sure if the ball fits all the way through. That's kind of what it felt like watching the Thunder try to shoot in the first half. 
they only shot 35% in the first half, uh, which is very ungood to say the least. Uh, the defense, though, in the first half, the defense was good. And that's really what was the most positive sign for OKC heading into halftime. Uh, the Thunder only scored 42 points in the first half. But the flip side of that is they only gave up 52. So giving up 52 points, especially in kind of the NBA with the pace that it's been at this year, that that's pretty good. You can live with that, uh, especially against a team like the Nets that, you know, we like to poke fun at the Nets historically, but they've been playing pretty solid this year, and they've got a handful of players who can go get a bucket, most notably uh, Joe Harris, the reigning three-point champion. So you can definitely live with what the Thunder did in the first half defensively. But 42 points in the first half, that's just not going to get it done. Uh, obviously, most of that is poor shooting. There was a handful of turnovers in the first half as well. The Thunder were a little bit sloppy, a little bit disjointed. I really felt like watching this team, though, that if they could start making uh, making some shots and continue to play defense at the level they played in the first half, that this was a game they could win. And that's exactly what happened uh, as the game went on. Throughout the first half, though, when you watch this team, the one guy that stood out was Russell Westbrook. From the get-go, he was the only guy really bringing energy. Uh, He was the only one that seemed like he could score. Uh, But really, it kind of took on the feeling of like the MVP season, where it's like Russ and some dudes, and we're going to go to war. And that's the kind of attitude that we got from Russ early and often in this game. Uh, he did a lot of things to keep them in it, to keep it as close as it was. The fact that the Thunder were only down 10 at halftime was kind of amazing because they played much worse and it, it could have been much worse. Uh, particularly there was a sequence at the end of the half where Russell scored four points in like seven seconds to end the first half. Uh, it was one of those situations where there were steals. They got a quick turnover when Brooklyn was trying to inbound the ball. And it really, I mean, those four points right at the end of the half, taken from a 14 point game to a 10 point game heading into halftime, which feels much more manageable. I thought he played fantastic, not only in the first half, but in the second half, he almost, he, he kind of reached another level. Russ tonight ended with 31 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, yet another triple-double, all but wraps it up as far as averaging a triple-double for the season. So just, I mean, averaging a triple-double for three straight seasons. Like, let's just kind of dwell on that for a minute. The accomplishment that that is and how it'll be remembered in NBA history, just incredible. Like, I'm not sure another NBA player will be able to touch that. It's one of those untouchable records. Like, we always talked about Oscar doing it one time, Well, now you have Russell Westbrook, who's on his way to doing it for the third straight season. It's just unreal. And it's wild to think about with all the ups and downs that he's had this season and the criticism that he's taken. Oh, he can't shoot. He's selfish, whatever. Like the fact that he's still averaging a triple double, like we need to stop and appreciate that. I know Thunder fans appreciate it, but like we as a collective NBA fandom, like we need to give that his due. It, it, it's not arbitrary numbers. It's it's historic is what he's doing. And really, when you take a look at what he's been doing since the All-Star break, I mean, Russ has been on a tear for the last month. It's been about a month since the All-Star break. Uh, everybody knows the struggles he had early in the season, uh, struggling to find his shot. 
It didn't look like he was quite as explosive. Uh, He wasn't finishing at the rim. He looked kind of like he shied away from contact. But I think it's safe to say this last month has been a a return to form for Russell Westbrook. If you look at his stats uh, since the All-Star break, he's averaging 30.1 points per game, 47.8% shooting, 38.5 from three. He's also adding on 10.5 rebounds, 7.3 assists, and 1.1 steals. That's incredible. Those are those are MVP caliber numbers. And I think it's safe to say that over this last month, uh, he's been hands down the best player on OKC. There's a lot of talk by people of about Paul George being the best player on OKC. And I don't know why they tried to position it as like a dig at OKC. Like, okay, yeah, Paul George is awesome. Like, I don't understand why that's a shot at Westbrook, but whatever. Like, they're both awesome. But over the past month, while Paul has been dealing with shoulder injuries and, and things like that, Russell's been awesome. And I think if the Thunder can get Paul George in a place where he's healthy and he's playing a little closer to that MVP caliber PG that we have seen for most of the season and we can get this version of Russ, there's not, there's not many things that can stand in the Thunder, Thunder's way as they head to the playoffs. Let's talk about PG real quick. He had a little bit of a rough start, but I thought he rebounded really nicely. Paul ended with 25 points tonight, 9 of 18 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3, 4 of 4 from the stripe, 9 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, uh, plus 11 on the night. I thought he played a really nice name game. Uh, I thought that he looked comfortable, especially in the third quarter. He had a big third quarter. Seemed to be like he was finding his rhythm a little bit. He had a couple threes. Look to be feeling himself more so than we've seen in recent games. The one thing that's interesting uh, tonight, he came out with kinesio tape on his left shoulder. So if you've been paying attention, you know, Paul George has been dealing with a shoulder injury, but that's been on his right shoulder. So for the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, he, he was out for a stretch of games. And when he came back, he had the KT tape on his right shoulder and during those games, he never looked quite himself. It was obvious that he was still hurting. And then uh, the last game, he had no tape. And you're like, okay, he's all better. Well, then tonight he comes out and he has tape again, but this time it's on his left shoulder. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't think anybody is other than Paul and the the Thunder medical staff. But Hopefully, uh, there's not something going on with his left shoulder like what was going on with his right shoulder. You hope it's not a new injury that's going to cause him to miss games. Uh, But the way he played tonight seemed to be uh, better than anything we saw when he had the tape on his right shoulder. So I think that's that's the encouraging sign. He definitely he was getting some treatment on it whenever he came out of the game. He had a big old hot pad on it. Um, And and let me go on a little like side tangent here. Whenever you see guys on the bench in an NBA game and they've got a big pack on their shoulder or their knee, if they're still in the game, it's not ice. It's heat. The heat loosens them up, uh, keeps them feeling fresh. It's going to keep them loose throughout the game. Ice gets used for recovery. So if they have ice on, it means they are probably done for the night. So when you see Russell sitting on the sideline, he's got those two big wraps on his knees. Those are heat pads. And those are keeping his knees fresh. 
getting him ready to go back in the game. At the end of the game, when he comes out, if it's a blowout or whatever, sometimes you'll see him sitting there with like the clear ice packs on his knees. And that's how, you know, he's done for the night. I saw a couple of people refer to Paul George sitting on the bench with a giant ice pack on his shoulder, but it's not actually ice. Uh, it's, it's a heating pad, but it just kind of helps him, uh, keep things loose. And so, you know, he's getting treatment, but if it's something that's manageable, it doesn't really concern me. I think you, you get some people that get freaked out about that kind of stuff, but I think, you know, this time of year playing with some sort of pain and injury, hopefully minor ones, it's just part of being in the NBA. I think you see it with guys of all ages. Um, You see it with superstars. You see it with rookies. It's just kind of the grind of playing an 82-game season and then going in the playoffs. Your body's going to take a beating. Hopefully, though, it gets to a, a, a more manageable point where you don't see the effects of it come playoff time. I think that's that's the ideal goal for the Thunder is to get Paul George healthy so that it's not something that he's thinking about. You just want PG to go out there and ball. You don't want him thinking about his shoulder. You don't want him experiencing pain, all that kind of stuff. But all that to say, you know, if he's if he's rocking KT tape on his shoulder come playoff time, I don't think it's anything to get worried about. Uh, I think it's it's part of normal life in the NBA, and it's something that he can certainly deal with. Something that was kind of interesting from tonight's game is Brooklyn played a lot of zone defense zone defense in the NBA has not typically been something that you see a whole lot. When you think of zone defense, you think of lower levels, you think of college, uh, obviously high school, middle school, all that kind of stuff. You see zone defense a lot because, you know, there's a theory that it, it's easier to play man to man's harder to play, but when man man to man is played properly, it's a better defense. That's kind of the conventional wisdom uh, zone defense has some liabilities, but it's a little easier to play. But what's interesting is because zone defense hasn't been used very often in the NBA, NBA players don't really know what to do with it. It's like they kind of forgot how to attack zone defense in the time since they graduated college. There's a great quote uh, last week, sometime recently, I believe it was from Pop. And uh, Popovich basically says, Uh, exactly that, that NBA players don't know what to do against zone defense. And really the last couple of years, and especially this year, you've started to see teams play a little bit more zone. There's nobody that's out there like playing zone exclusively like you see in college, but you see it in stretches. And tonight in the third quarter, when the Thunder really came out hot, uh, they started the third quarter on a big run, instantly made it a two-point game after being down by 10 at halftime. And you saw the Nets go back into a zone. What they're trying to do is to prevent the Thunder from getting to the rim. And it's smart because you think about the Thunder with Russell Westbrook. He loves to drive to the rim. They were attacking the paint. They were getting inside, and the Nets were trying to shut that down. And typically what teams do to combat combat a zone defense, they start shooting threes. And that's really what the zone defense wants. They want you to settle for threes. Now that can come back to bite you if the team is a really good three-point shooting team. But I thought what was interesting tonight is the Thunder didn't just settle for threes. They were they did a great job of being disciplined and continuing to attack the zone defense. And really, that started with Russ. He continued to penetrate in the lane, which draws attention and kind of collapses the zone, which then leaves people wide open. And whether they take a three-point shot or then they cut to the basket, it opens things up so much uh, and really takes advantage of the vulner- vulnerabilities of the zone defense. I thought Russ just did a masterful job of attacking the zone 
and it, it's great to see because there's there's so many guys that uh, kind of get stuck. You see a zone, it throws you off. It's one of those things that it's just different enough that it throws you off your rhythm, and it easily could have kind of derailed the Thunder's run in that third quarter, but they were able to stay focused, uh, attack the zone, and create open looks for other guys. And that's a big reason why they scored 38 points in the third quarter. Like I mentioned, they only scored 42 in the entire first half. So for them to come out and have a big third quarter, which we know the Thunder love to have big third quarters, uh, it was huge. It was huge for this game. They outscored the Nets by 12. They took a two-point lead to the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, honestly, they they blew it open. Uh, The Nets made it a little closer at the end with a couple threes by Joe Harris. But for the most part, uh, that thing was over uh, pretty early in the fourth quarter thanks to the Thunder's aggressiveness. When you look at the second half, I thought Steven Adams uh, and Dennis Schroeder played really nice uh, second halves. Dennis Schroeder looked great on defense, which we know can be kind of up and down. I thought he did a nice job, uh, especially with the, with the guards that Brooklyn has, like D'Angelo Russell and Dinwiddie. Uh, they're both they're both bigger guards that can give a guy like Dennis Schroeder some problems. And I thought he did a pretty nice job on that end of the floor in the second half. And Steven Adams, he had a great stretch late in the game. Uh, Russ kept feeding him alley-oops, but he was also doing things on the defensive end. He was getting some good rebounds. He finished with 13 points, 6 to 12 from the floor, 7 boards, 2 steals, 1 block. I think it's great to see from him. It wasn't a perfect game from Adams. He started a little slow. But I think continuing, uh, you know, just like Paul George, he's a guy that you want to see starting to feel maybe a little healthier heading into the playoffs. He's not going to be 100% because that dude's gotten beat up all season. But I think seeing him uh, start to feel a little fresher is what you want out of a guy like Steven. He played 30 minutes tonight. I'd still like to see him play a few less than that. But you did have Noel got the other 18. So it's better than him playing uh, 35 minutes and Noel only playing, you know, 10 to 12. I, I think Noel is just he's a guy off the bench that can really make a difference when he's in the game. So I think Billy has an opportunity to use him a little more and get Adams a little more rest, especially as we head kind of down this, you know, the last there's 14 games left now as we head down that, that stretch to the playoffs. I I think it's probably not a bad idea to let Stevens play a few less minutes so that he's maybe a little fresher heading into the playoffs. The other interesting kind of lineup change tonight was you had Markeith Morris. So, He missed uh, part of last game uh, with uh, neck soreness, which typically, you know, would be nothing. But we know that he's missed a good chunk of the year with a neck injury. So neck soreness with him makes you a little bit more nervous. So probably not a surprise that he was out tonight with a sore neck. He'll probably be out tomorrow night as well with the same thing. And so when he went out uh, last game, you saw Patrick Patterson come in and, and Pat did fine. But he's still Patrick Patterson. I think we all know what his strengths are and what his flaws are, kind of how he fits with this team. And what was interesting tonight was instead of Patterson, we saw Deontay Burton. Burton put in 15 minutes, and I thought I thought he did some really nice things. He brought a spark off the bench that I felt like the Thunder kind of needed. He came in when they were playing a little bit flat and just brought some energy. I think that's something you can always count on Deontay Burton for, and I think that's something that the Thunder have always been attracted to with him is that spark. He's not a guy that's going to come in and just go through the motions. You know, I think he, he's got a little more drive in him than some guys do in the NBA, just kind of based off the path that it's taken him to get there. I think 
all of you probably know, he just recently got signed by the Thunder to his full NBA contract, so he's no longer a two-way player. He is a full-fledged NBA player. And you still had the question, though, of is he going to get many minutes? He hadn't played in a while for the Thunder. So coming off that contract signing, I thought it was great to see him get 15 minutes. And, and he made he made an impact. Uh, he, he put in some easy shots. He did things on the defensive end of the floor. He got a steal. And that's all from a guy like Deontay Burton. That's all you can ask for. You know, we're not we're not asking him to be Dennis Schroeder. We're not asking him to be Nerlens Noel, have that level of impact. And I, I think he did everything he needed to do tonight to give this team a spark, to give him a little energy, and to kind of fill that, you know, 15-minute role that Billy put him in for. I, I thought he was fantastic. Abdul Nader, I thought, also played pretty well. He only had two points, uh, both from the free throw line. But I thought he got some good looks. He made some good plays. He had a play where he got the ball and kind of dished it to Noel uh, in the paint. Noel missed the shot, but but the awareness from Nader uh, to find that look for Nerlens in the paint is just it, it's a development for him. He's starting to look a little uh, a little more comfortable out there. Uh, he's still got to shore things up on the defensive end, but he's the same kind of boat as Burton. If he, if you can play him for a few minutes a night and he can give you a little bit of spark, that's all you can ask for, for these rotation guys looking ahead at what's next for the thunder. Uh, well, one thing they no longer have the hardest schedule remaining in the NBA. So yay, we've got that going for us. Uh, they mentioned on the ESPN broadcast tonight that the nets, actually have the hardest schedule remaining, and OKC is the third. So we've got that going for us. Uh, things are a little bit easier from here on out. They play tomorrow night uh, at Indiana. So after tonight's game, they're getting on a plane, flying to Indianapolis. That'll be a tough one. We know back-to-backs are tough, but back-to-backs where you're switching between home and away are especially tough because you got to get a plane ride in there. Uh, the Pacers, even though they don't have Oladipo, they've been playing really well. It's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. Wouldn't surprise me to see the Thunder drop that one. Then Saturday night, they got a big one. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are in town. That one's on ABC. The Warriors have been a little bit of a mess lately, but they're still the Warriors. Like, let's be honest. They can turn it on at any time and just demolish you. And it seems like anytime they play the Thunder, there's a high likelihood of that happening. Uh, the Thunder, a team that they're always going to get up for. Most NBA teams are going to get up for the Thunder. Uh, but that, that'll be one to watch for sure. The good news is looking at the rest of the schedule, the Thunder have, uh, nine home games and five road games. So that's a great balance, especially for a team that has played a lot better at home this season than they have on the road. Even though there's still a lot of challenging teams left and a lot of tough games, the fact that two thirds of those are at home kind of gives it's a dose of positivity for this team. Uh, you know, the, the crowd at the peak is always such a big boost for them that it, it should get them a few more wins than maybe they deserve. And then maybe they would get, you know, if that was flipped and more of the games were on the road still, nevertheless, uh, there's, there's a lot of work to do, uh, down this stretch. It's going to be a seesaw, you have Golden State and Houston playing right now. Golden State is up nine, but who knows where that will end up. And the standings in the West, they're just so tight. Uh, right now you've got Houston in the three seed. Uh, the Thunder are a half game back at four. The Trailblazers are a half game back at the Thunder at five. So you just have this kind of log jam in the three, four, five spot. 
And where it gets really interesting is when, where you start to see, you know, the jockeying for position. As it stands right now, you've got Golden State in the one seed. So if the Thunder, if the if the playoffs started tomorrow, you have the Thunder in the four seed, which means they'd have to play the Warriors in the second round. So when you know three, four, five are so tight, you start to wonder when do you start thinking about uh, trying to drop to six? If if it looks like the three starts to get out of reach. When do you start thinking about dropping to six so that you can get aligned with the Nuggets in the two seed for the second round? I don't know if that'll happen. I don't know how it'll shake out. Uh, it's going to be a wild seesaw for the rest of the season. In the six, seven, eight spot, you, all those teams are separated by half game as well with the Spurs, the Clippers, and the Jazz. I think you're going to see a lot of things change. It's going to be one of those situations where we don't really have a clear playoff picture until the last day probably. Uh, and it's going to be fun, you know, it's going to be a ride right now. There's, you know, four teams that the thunder could be playing in the first round. Uh, and any of them are, are kind of equally likely at this point. So we're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully the thunder can take care of business. Hopefully the rockets start losing some games, you know, they're nine and one in their last 10. They do have a, a much easier schedule than the thunder do. But you, you never know. You never know how these things are going to play out. Uh, the Thunder do have some key games remaining on the schedule. They do play Houston again, second last game of the season. That's obviously a big one that would do a lot in the way of playoff seeding. They also play Denver. Uh, that's one that the Thunder would like to get. They haven't, they've been winless against Denver this season. The two games against Toronto next week are big. And really it's just, you know, there's not many games on the remaining schedule that aren't big. Uh, so as a Thunder fan, you got to kind of sit back and enjoy it and take it in. And, you know, it's kind of like a little preview of the playoffs before we get to the playoffs because the, the Thunder are playing so many playoff caliber teams. I think that'll do it tonight. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for checking out the post-game podcast. We do these after every game. We also try to get together once a week for a group podcast. We'll be doing our next group podcast on Saturday. We are actually having a special guest, uh, Michele Barra. You may know him from his project Chart Sighted. Uh, super, super smart guy. Every time I read McKelly's tweets, he picks up on things that I never notice during the game. He he has this kind of nuanced ability to to dissect a game that is unlike anybody else that I follow that follows the Thunder. So we're super excited to have him on. We also found out he's a Game of Thrones fan. So we're going to do a little bit of a Game of Thrones talk on that episode as well. We've got that the final season of that premiering in just over a month. We're all excited for that. Hopefully you are too. If you like what we're uh, putting out there, we would really appreciate it if you would go on to Apple Podcasts, go into iTunes, look us up, and give us a five-star rating. Uh, if you want to write us a review, say something nice. We really appreciate that. We read all of those. It makes us feel good about ourselves, that we're not just talking to ourselves on the Internet. Uh, but really, it takes just a couple seconds to go in, uh, look us up, and hit five stars, and we would really, really appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Justin. I'm over at, at OKC Tracker. I tweet about uniforms and shoes and all that kind of stuff, so you're into that. Go check it out. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Thanks again for listening tonight. We'll be back at it again tomorrow with another postgame podcast following the Pacers game. Pacers game. Wow, I can't talk. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks again. Thunder up.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.